I think a materialist approach to things is very, very consistent with uh, my experience in Christian social justice. I feel like the, the deeper I get into anarchist practice, the deeper my faith is getting at the same time. I would hope that you know, securing means of life for all would be something all people of faith would say, oh yes, that's at the basis of what we believe. Those who are most marginalized know the most about the truth, good and the beautiful. To me, it's less that I think building class solidarity is a bad thing, as much as it seems like if you don't attend to things like anti-black racism, um, that's always going to get in the way of building class solidarity, actually. And when you go back, you find that a lot of uh, revolutionary grassroots participatory movements, the, the precursors to what you could call um, the barrio assemblies and these like, you know, grassroots neighborhood organizations, a lot of these were sponsored by the church. What does it mean to say that the Christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there? Um, you're always uh, being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects. Welcome to The Magnificast, the podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I'm your co-host, Dean Detloff. And I'm also your other co-host, Matt Bernico. And Matt, I've got a big alert, a huge problem. Uh, the The lights in the booth here are going off. Uh, Awoogas. Oh, is that that is? Yep, that's exactly what it is. That's what you're seeing, hearing, etc. Um, we have some really big news from the front lines of the culture wars, and uh, I'm getting faxes about it, emails, texts, tweets. Um, I'm getting woofed Whoa. over here. Uh, evangelicals, <laughs> they, they have uh, deployed a new weapon, Matt. Um, they've launched uh, they've launched this weapon at one of the most culturally significant sites in the U.S. Um, that's right. We're talking about the multi-million dollar ad campaign. He gets us. Uh, you've heard of it, Matt, so far. You've seen it in the news? Yeah, I've seen it on the news. I've seen it on billboards. I've seen it on the internet. And I've got to tell you, I'm not thrilled about it. <laughs> it's bizarre because it's so well done. Um, they are advertising uh, the big man himself, Jesus Christ, in this ad campaign. It aired during the big game, the Super Bowl. And Matt, uh, on short notice, here to talk about the campaign with us is our Culture War correspondent, and coincidentally, Sojourner's editor, a little bit of a downgrade in title, if you ask me, um, Josiah Daniels. Uh, Josiah, you've been on the show before. Oh, thank God you're here, Josiah. <laughs> yeah, he beamed right in. I love this. <laughs> he beamed into the, the Magnificast HQ here. Um, why don't you uh, introduce yourself for folks who, who don't have any idea who you are, Josiah? Yeah, wow. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do better than that. The idea that you guys are calling me a culture war correspondent is just funny as hell to me. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned I it. You're going to get a medal at the end. Oh, I hope the purple heart. Um, yeah. Yeah. My name's Josiah Daniels. Uh, I am the associate opinion editor for sojo.net. And uh, I love the Magnificast. Uh, I've been able to work with both Dean and Matt on various projects. I'm very grateful that uh, Matt is one of our columnists, and I'm happy to be here today. We're, we're glad to have you here today, and I'm always extremely happy uh, that you take the time to edit the things I write so they're not... <laughs> well, Josiah, we're glad that you're here. Dean has, has kind of like... Uh, He's he's set me aback because he's added so much mythos to the Magnificast right here from the very top top line <laughs> that we have like uh, I, I'm gonna have to edit in some sounds of like alerts and uh, klaxons clanging in the background. Uh, but anyways, just uh, glad to have you here. Um, great to talk to you and kind of hear like what's going on with this big Super Bowl ad. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I don't know if I could tell you the last time I did watch the Super Bowl. Probably been years. Not since I was in youth group for sure, and I had to go to a party. <laughs> um, but uh, you've been following the big uh, He Gets Us campaign for a while. And um, I think people really started talking about it this past week because of the Super Bowl ad, but you you have some prior knowledge even to that. So you recently published the article, What He Gets Us Ads Get Wrong About Jesus for Sojourners. Um, so just tell us a little bit more about that. What prompted you to investigate the campaign? Um, what's it all about? What's the big picture here? Yeah, I mean, the thing that prompted me, so, you know, Unlike, uh, I think, maybe uh, maybe you and Dean. Although I think that Dean is maybe a Toronto Raptors fan a little bit. But um, I'm a huge sports fan, and I watch 
a lot of sports and uh i've been trying to quit sports for some years now um and i will quit sports once the chicago bulls win one last one last uh finals that's that's all that i need i need to see that in my lifetime but um so yeah i i watch sports and i remember last march so this would have been march of 2022 um i was watching march madness which is the men's college basketball tournament and i was seeing these ads that were like you know really eye-catching and i thought that they were like a little hokey but they were like saying things that i generally agreed with like you know jesus had anxiety jesus struggled to make ends meet um you know they were saying these types of things that were relatable and i was like well there's there's nothing wrong necessarily with like emphasizing the human reality that jesus might have faced here on earth and then i remember seeing an ad and this is the ad that i i uh write about for the intro of my piece um but i I remember seeing an ad that said you know jesus was canceled and like i say in my piece the first thing that i immediately thought of was jesus wasn't canceled jesus was crucified and i think that's like a really important distinction and i know we're going to talk about that later but so yeah all of this was happening like in march of 2022 march april may i kept seeing the ads and then i especially kept seeing the ads uh once the football season began and they were they as and he gets us they were playing a lot of the ads uh during during the nfl season and i kept seeing them and, and something just like wasn't sitting right with me um and then it was actually through two two uh religion journalists who really caused me to want to like dig deeper and figure out kind of what was going on bob smetana who works for religion news service and then maria bear who actually works for christianity to christianity today they had both been they've both been uh reporting especially bob bob has been doing a lot of reporting on he gets us um since the ads first began and um yeah it's just kind of been a situation where i have been following it since march and uh things have kind of only come to a head i think sort of post super bowl but uh it's extremely interesting and i think that um I think that I think that we've only really scratched the surface here. Well, we're going to scratch a little deeper. What a gross metaphor. But that's what we're going to do here uh, over the next 40 to 60 minutes. Um, so the campaign, uh, first of all, that's great. Josiah, I love that you're um, using your sports vice uh, in this productive way. Um, you're trying to quit sports. I'm trying to to start it. I did watch the Toronto Raptors win. And then I watched a few more games after that. And every once in a while... Um, I talked to people about it. That's about as far as I've gotten. So I appreciate that you're really plugging us in. And also thanks for the the parenthetical about March Madness. I feel like that's going to be useful. A lot of footnotes um, around sports will be helpful. Uh, the, this uh, <laughs> this campaign, it got some traction and commentary uh, in maybe the, the commentary circles of Christianity for some of those progressive themes and tropes, like you mentioned, right? Like Jesus uh, had anxiety. Um, Jesus hung out with the marginalized is one theme they seem to talk about, but it also sort of goes out of its way, like you said, to complain about things like cancel culture, and it has like a lot of money behind it. It's being revealed, I guess. Um, What's the ideology that undergirds this whole thing? Because it has these sort of contradictory pieces to it. Yeah, I mean, the question of ideology is a great one. I I just want to say, too, sort of before we get too deep here. I want to say that one thing that I think uh, he gets us should get credit for is, um, you know, they were willing to talk to me, uh, specifically Jason Vanderground, who is the president of Haven, which is the um, ad and, and marketing firm that is behind the He Gets Us ads. 
Um, and then Jason is also the primary spokesperson for He Gets Us. And we reached out in December. And then I was able to connect with Jason in January. And, and we had a, uh, a 40 minute phone conversation. And I asked some really hard questions. And Jason was willing to entertain those questions. And so I do just want to say, you know, I, I appreciate that. Um, with that said, I think that the etiology behind the He Gets This uh, campaign is really just one, basically just, it's about money. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, the commercialization of Jesus. Um, and I think that there is a strong emphasis and it, it, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure this out. You can go and, and look at their about us page or any number of their other posts on their website. Um, and you can see that the etiology is sort of this both sides ism. And I know, I know that you guys have spent a lot of time talking on this podcast about sort of like the both sides framing. And that's, that's totally what, what he gets us is doing, except they're framing. So they are sort of, uh, you know, saying that there's no left, there's no right. You know, there's, there's just, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, you know, that, that type of thing. And, um, I, I thought it was really interesting in my conversation with Jason at one point we were talking and I was sort of, you know, asking him about politics specifically like whether or not he and the he gets his campaign whether or not they understood a political component being part of jesus's message and and he said no and i was really scandalized by that um and then he followed up and, and his thing was kind of like well we believe in this third way which is like you know sort of beyond politics um and I think that that third way language should like raise an alarm uh, to anyone uh, because normally what that means is it's kind of just uh, a way to, it's kind of just a way to dismiss the issues of injustice that are like plaguing our society. And so it's a way to dismiss sort of like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. talks about how it's not bad to be an extremist. You just have to be an extremist for justice. And um, the He Gets His campaign, they really want to move away from extremism at, at every, at every you know, point. Uh, and I think that was like especially evident in their advertisements, especially the yelling one, which <laughs> I thought was so hilarious really um but Sorry, anyway so. explain the yelling one a little bit more yeah i i mean and i explained the yelling one a little bit more <laughs> i don't know um yeah it was just like a did you guys see it it's just like a bunch of people yelling at one another in these it charged imagery is how like i would describe it right it's like my sister uh it was so funny and she was like saying this sarcastically she would never say this seriously but, you know, like one of the images of, is of this white woman sort of like screaming on a on a bus or something. And my sister was like, oh, there's Karen. <laughs> I remember just hearing this here. From, we were just dying laughing. But so, it, yeah, it's like these charged images of, of people yelling at one another. You know, like one of them is someone has a mask on, someone doesn't. Uh, some of the other ones, you know, like it looks like maybe there are some Trump supporters. Maybe there are some Black Lives Matter activists or just activists in general. Um, and then the end of the message is just, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus wants us to love our enemies. And I mean, that's a message that I agree with. And I think it's a message that the two of you agree with, too. But one of the things I think that the three of us could all agree on is sometimes like loving your enemies means confronting them and telling them that they're wrong about things. And sometimes that's like, sometimes you're not doing that in like a polite way. Um, and so, yeah, there's like almost this emphasis, I think, with the, he gets his campaign on like politeness too. Um, and I think being polite is important, right? Um, but I also don't think that, uh, I don't, I think that the time to like be polite to the police is over. 
you know, like a confrontation of some type does have to happen. And I think that if Jesus were around today, Jesus wouldn't be going and hugging a police officer. I, I think Jesus would have harsh words for the police. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's a little bit of the, the background about like the ideology of the campaign. Um, one of the things that, uh, that um, Jason had told me too, that I thought was really interesting was I asked him, I was like, you know, okay, when you say third way politics, what comes to my mind is like, you know, Scott McKnight or Brian Zond. Uh, so I was like, who kind of like theologically are you guys working with in, in regards to sort of like developing this third way premise or this, you know, this third way theological conviction? And he was like, oh, we're kind of, we're kind of just like reading our Bibles. And I was <laughs> like, oh, interesting, <laughs> you know. Um, so uh, it's it's still a very evangelical campaign, if you ask me. Um, and then you know, Bob Smetana, he reported that that uh, David Green, is, who's uh, one of the co-founders of Hobby Lobby, a billionaire evangelical, um, you know, he reported that he's one of the donors of the campaign. And um, so, yeah, so there's big money behind this campaign. Uh, there are evangelicals behind this campaign from what we know, because some of the don a lot of the donor base is actually like mysterious to us. And then when we when I and other uh, other reporters have asked, uh, you know, who who is your donor base? What he gets us to come back with is, well, the donors want to remain anonymous uh, because they, you know, don't want to let their uh, right hand know what their left hand is doing. You know, they want to make this movement about Jesus, not about them. And really, to me, this is this is an opinion. To me, that's just a way to avoid transparency. And I think that that is one of the most disturbing things about the He Gets His campaign. It does not seem transparent in any way, shape or form. Yeah. I have a bunch of other questions for you about this, but I do want to just kind of like take a second to pull out some of this a bit more for people. If if you haven't seen, dear listeners, what this looks like, you can go to the hegetsus.com website and and look through it. They have a page that I think is really interesting called He Gets Us Has an Agenda. Um, and I think what is interesting to me about the whole thing is how confused and maybe purposefully duplicitous the rhetoric is. So, for example, they're like, I mean, they have this whole sort of like manifesto about what they're all about on this page and whatever, whatever their agenda is. But it's really frustratingly set up because they'll have a big highlighted bold section that said, how did the story of a man who taught who taught and practiced unconditional love become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people? Right. So this is like kind of like the crux of what they're doing is like Jesus is this like character in our culture who is for some reason like um now culturally divisive, even though that's not the message of Jesus. And then it'll say something like this later down the page. Um, we look at the biography of Jesus through a modern lens to find new relevance and often overlooked moments and themes of his life. And it's just like so bizarre to me because what they're talking about is not any of the teachings of Jesus, like not any of the parables. They're not really talking about like, you know, any of like the things that are actually in the gospels, but what they're actually talking about is like sort of this weird, um, this weird, I think liberal reading of, of what Jesus is actually doing, um, you, you know, where Jesus is this guy who is telling us just to love our enemies and, and, to, and to take this third way forward or something rather than actually like standing with people who, who have, who have skinned the game. I don't know. It, to me, it just feels so confused because it's telling you there's something really important about Jesus. There's something really important about Jesus and you need to pay attention to this thing. But then when they, when you look to like what it is, they're trying to tell you is important. It's not, anything it's just like jesus is a nice guy and that's cool for you right like that to me it, it just seems so weird right it's like there's like a bait and switch involved where um they're they're telling you it's so important that you look at this thing but when when you actually do look they they're offering you very little and uh it's frustrating to me isn't this sort of like the epitome of fiscally conservative socially liberal like <laughs> that's 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 all that this campaign is to me with with like an evangelical twist um yeah i mean i i was really um i was again i was just like really shocked by the 
trivialization of so much of what Jesus stood for, you know, whether it's the crucifixion of Jesus or whether it is, you know, legitimately the idea that Jesus did stand with the marginalized. I don't think, I, I don't have any doubts about that. Or, you know, whether, you know, the idea that Jesus affirmed women, you know, women were part of Jesus's group of disciples. Yeah, all, all of that's absolutely true. What I think where, where the campaign really, really gets it wrong, and, you know, the three of us is good Marxists, I think that this is like kind of a hinge point for us. The campaign completely gets it wrong on the issue of money, right? Like the, the, the material emphasis, like we, that can't be emphasized enough. This idea that, um, this idea that, you know, there, there's a hundred million dollars that, that, uh, that this campaign is working with. And that, as far as I understand it, they, they're going to be working with a billion over the next three years. Right. Um, and that is, I don't know any other way to say this. This is like straight up biblical language, uh, Hebrew Bible style. That is an abomination. It's an abomination. Uh, and it doesn't that like to use this money for anything other than actually improving the material circumstances of people in this world who are downtrodden, who are getting evicted, who have lost loved ones to COVID, who are houses, to use the, the to use the money for anything other than actually improving the material circumstances of uh, the marginalized and oppressed, it's it's wrong. And, um, yeah, I, I just don't know how you can justify saying on the one hand that you all believe that Jesus supported the marginalized. And then on the other hand, you, you're working with a budget that is, you know, th that is, uh, that is so extremely bloated. I, I don't know. I have to stop because I'm starting to, <laughs> I'm starting kind of just like, no rave like a lunatic but you guys get the idea i think i mean you're 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 right though right i mean it's like can you imagine the gospel if like uh the rich young ruler goes to jesus and says lord lord what do i have to do to be perfect you know and jesus says take your billions of dollars and and do, do make a commercial for me <laughs> that's that would that's bonkers <laughs> no of course not <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah i mean it's also like the ultimate bourgeoisification of Jesus, right? Uh, the the us that Jesus gets is basically a like middle class, basic income kind of person. Um, at the end of the day, right? Uh, Jesus doesn't understand the poor well enough to think like you should form a union and go on strike so you can like get a higher wage, right? That's the the Jesus that is kind of missing, I guess, from the campaign. And I think that's kind of an interesting piece about third way politics in general. Um, something we talk about a lot, but it ultimately ends up basically collapsing into the regular politics that everybody has, right? Just basically liberal capitalism. And that's the us that Jesus is, is kind of allowed to get when you have millions of dollars poured into an ad campaign, because you could never pour millions of dollars into a campaign and have Jesus be like, yeah, I think we should maybe think twice about, you know, the exploitation of working people or um, rising rent or how like central banks are raising inflation on purpose to like kick people out of their jobs. Like, you know, that's the the kind of Jesus that doesn't maybe lend well to like a multi-million dollar Hobby Lobby campaign. That's like one of the things that's frustrating, right? It's like, okay, so, so this is one thing that I really actually do want to make clear. Um, I'm a Christian and in a weird way, I really like being a Christian. And part of the reason that I really like being a Christian is because I actually do think that Jesus is an extremely compelling figure. And again, when I originally saw the ads, I was like, okay, you know, one thing that, that uh, some like people have uh, responded on Twitter and they've done this in good faith. As far as I'm concerned, I don't, I don't have any reason to believe that they are doing this in bad faith. But one of the things that they've said is like, well, like it's at least it's getting like Jesus's name out there or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> I can like kind of see where you're coming from. But, but if the version of Jesus that the, that, that the campaign is promoting is a version that, uh, you know, would 
not not just like do I believe that if Jesus were around today that he might go out uh, to dinner and that that he might go out to dinner with David Green? Yes, I, I can believe that Jesus might go out to dinner with David Green. He'd make him pay too, I think. Um, <laughs> but like, I can believe that. But Jesus at the end of that dinner would be having a Zacchaeus moment, like with him, right? Like it, it wouldn't be a thing where it's like. Oh, thanks for all the hard work that you're doing for me, you know, advertising. It, that's not, that's like not the, I don't think that's the authentic Jesus. That's certainly not the Jesus of the Bible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that one of, one of my, one of my really big issues and one of the big motivators behind why I wanted to write the piece was uh, to be like, hey, man, like, Jesus is like really important to me. And I actually think too, that Jesus is important to uh, a large segment of society. Uh, many of those people being people who would be uh, poor and oppressed. Um, but so like, don't fuck around with Jesus. You know? <laughs> like don't, don't uh, create this composite character of Jesus. That is just like, you know, a cool dude who, you know, really loves everyone and could get along with anyone. And he actually really did get along with it. It's like, dude, Jesus was crucified. Why was he crucified? What does Jesus' crucifixion tell us about his politics, the people that he stood with, what he stood for? Yeah. Yeah. Let's maybe uh, dive even further into some of the rhetoric in the campaign, because I think that there's also some weird ways that it's trying to present Jesus as a radical, but in a certain way, um, in a weird way, maybe. And there's a few angles that we can take. I'm going to throw out maybe a weird one. Um, so Josiah and I went to school together uh, in undergrad at this very bizarre Christian evangelical school. And we were in school at like peak mid 2000s, late, late aughts, um, the Obama evangelical years. And I feel like in that time, there was a sort of popular brand of countercultural evangelicalism, right, represented by people like Shane Claiborne or some of these kind of like emergent church folks who might have said some similar things that are said in this campaign that Jesus is kind of like doing this third way thing. He's not, you know, right or left, but he is going out to the marginalized and so on. But at least like Shane Claiborne had the the courage to like, I don't know, live in community in like a poor neighborhood or something like that. You know, like there's some kind of authenticity there. Um, but this feels like, like almost the, the commercialization of the same kind of impulse. Um, what do you think about that, Josiah? As a big former um, Jesus evangelical, uh, you know, did the market sort of like get to that trend late? Is there something else going on? Is this just like a logic that's kind of endemic to evangelicalism that sort of, you know, breaks right or left or center every once in a while in a in a big way? <laughs> like what what's kind of happening with with that piece of it? That is such an interesting question. And it's something that I thought a lot about. And also, Dean, I want to tell you that not only did, did you and I go to a conservative evangelical school, uh, but also Jason Vanderground, the spokesperson for He Gets Us, uh, he actually went to our same school. So Jason and I got to connect over that too, which was, which was really okay. funny. Okay, here's a weird, another weird like uh, planetary alignment though, Josiah, that is uh, very uncomfortable. So... That same guy, Jason, apparently, I learned this from somebody, um, did the marketing campaign in 2008, I think it was, uh, for that same school. And uh, the the campaign was See You in 3D. And there's a picture of me and several other people in it. So all the way back, I mean, the threads are there. There's some deep conspiracy going on. How are we wrapped up in this, Josiah? That's awesome. So, but back to the question. When Yeah, when I think about... Uh, someone like Shane Claiborne, which, you know, I'm going to do a quick uh, plug here for my coworker, Mitchell Atencio, who is the associate news editor at uh, Sojo.net. He actually has an interview with Shane Claiborne coming out maybe uh, tomorrow. And so that would be February 17th. Um, and it's about his new book. And it's also about abortion. And let me tell you, uh, Shane says some really interesting, spicy things. Mitchell also kind of pins him down on Israel-Palestine. So anyway, but 
Yeah, I mean, like when I think of Shane Claiborne, it is sort of like the Jesus for president thing. It is sort of like the uh, the third way politics thing. But it's like you said, Dean, it's like, you know, Shane at least had the courage. And I like the way that you phrase that. Shane had the courage to live in community. And he also had the courage to like get arrested. And he also wasn't um, such a, I'm just going to say this. He also wasn't such a dumbass to be like, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus wasn't political. Like Shane would never say that. Right. Um, and uh, so I think that there is something like really duplicitous and mysterious about the way in which he gets us uses the language of, you know, like on that, that uh, he gets us has an agenda page. One of the things that they say is Jesus is a love activist. And it's like, what, what the fuck, do, what the fuck does that mean? Um, but so <laughs> like, I think that the deal is that. Okay, like one of the things I'm, I want to try and be as succinct about this as I possibly can. One of the things that I think he gets us is worried about, and this is something that is not unique just that he gets us, but this is like something that I think evangelicals are especially worried about, is the fact that Gen Zers and millennials are leaving the church and they're trying to figure out, okay, how can we get these groups of people back into the church. And one of the things I think that they've come down on is, okay, we're going to use this sort of like hip social justice lingo. Um, and so in that way, I think that it is sort of like this strategy by whether it's he gets us or other churches or, you know, other Christian organizations, it's this strategy to sort of get younger generations back into, you know, Christianity. Um, I think that the other thing, though, that I'd say is I think that there is a growing concern with the progressive nature of Gen Z and millennials. Um, you know, like one of the uh, one of the studies um, that uh, I was looking at was from Pew Research talking about how like Gen Z and millennials much more progressive than previous generations. And, you know, we agree on a lot of points, um, whether it's like environmentalism, whether it's you know, poverty issues, whether it's LGBTQ issues. And I think that what um, I think that what the He Gets His campaign might be trying to do is it might be trying to convince people to go away from extremism on issues of human rights. And when I say extremism, again, I'm thinking of like being extremist for the rights of uh, poor and oppressed people. Um, and so I think that all the talk about third way, all the talk about avoiding extremism is a way for the campaign uh, to, to, to suggest to younger generations like, hey, you know, uh, rather, rather than being an extremist, let me talk to you about the uh the greatness of being you know a moderate or whatever and you know that that's like a little bit of of my interpretation uh on what one possible thing that they might be doing too yeah that sounds about right to me i mean just looking at the website that was definitely a vibe i got um but hearing you say it, i think it makes a lot more sense it's a campaign that takes the it's not a it's not a religion it's a relationship right. to like a whole new level yeah. of and i don't know about you guys but but i want religion like I want, you know, pure undefiled yeah. religion, you know, uh, standing up for the orphans and widows. I'll take religion over a relationship any day. <laughs> Not that the two have to be, you know, diametrically opposed, but you understand. No, exactly. Give, give me a, a stinky church full of incense and a priest in a robe and uh, I'm happy about it. I right. Well, let's talk about some more of the rhetoric, though, because I think it's bad, <laughs> like damningly bad, actually. Um, there's a part. Uh, of the He Gets Us campaign that does suggest that Jesus was canceled. And 
Man, that's got to be pretty close to blasphemy because of how dumb it is. Um, but you talk about in your article that, that Jesus wasn't canceled. In fact, something entirely different happened. Jesus was crucified, which is uh, a pretty important distinction to make, I think. So uh, you also mentioned Ignacio Alicuria, one of our podcast faves, um, who is a, uh, in case people don't know, a Salvadoran Jesuit and liberation theologian um, who presents this kind of like different uh, soteriological vision of Jesus. So um, when when the He Gets This campaign says that Jesus was canceled, like, what are they doing, do you think? And then, like, I don't know, how does that miss um, the important stuff about Jesus? Yeah, man. Yeah, the Jesus was canceled one just, like, almost gave me a brain aneurysm just because I thought it was so ridiculous. I, I just really felt like it trivialized the crucifixion. And one of the things that often comes to mind just because of the times is a is a Dietrich Bonhoeffer quote. And uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is uh, he says that you know the only sign of God in the world is the cross. And that's something that I really believe. Uh, especially now. I mean, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, of course, is is writing during the time of the Holocaust. And, you know, when I think about the times that we're living in, mass incarceration uh, or, you know, COVID or the environmental crisis, uh, God is still on the cross. Um, but, you know, the, the language of cancellation, you guys know it well. Uh, it is language that specifically resonates with a demographic of people who I like to call the canceled class. It's like, you know, these people are well off and they usually are really just kind of like dealing with consequences of something that they did or something that they said, um, you know, so like, for example, this is another sports reference, I'm sorry, but, you know, Kyrie Irving, uh, who is a point guard for the Dallas Mavericks, um, but before he was a point guard for the Dallas Mavericks, he played for the Brooklyn Nets, and he said terribly, terribly anti-Semitic things. He was suspended for a few games, uh, you know, he was told that he had to uh, offer a donation uh, to groups fighting anti-Semitism, uh, you know, and he had to do, you know, the whole apology circuit, you know, posted something on Instagram, blah, 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 right? Um, and a lot of people, I think, would understand Kyrie as someone who has been canceled, and yet he is still playing in the NBA, he's still a millionaire, and he still has incredible amount of power. Um, and that to me is sort of like the epitome of a person, uh, who would experience cancellation and that type of cancellation, you know, and most importantly, right. I, I think one of the biggest difference between cancellation and crucifixion is, you know, if, if Kyrie has been canceled, if you like, uh, and Jesus has been crucified, the main point of departure there, right. Is that, you know, Jesus was literally murdered, executed. And Kyrie is, you know, living his best life. Um, so I think that there is like a huge distinction uh, there. And I really question who just exactly it is that the campaign is trying to like make that message of cancellation, crucifixion resonate with. Um, one of the things that Jason had told me, because when we were talking, I think that he picked up that I was like, dude, I kind of think this is bullshit. And so I think he was like, well, it's like an allegory. And even still, I was like, yeah, that's still like not working for me. Like there's no connection between cancellation and crucifixion. Um, and uh, I think too, just, you know, to like talk about this and in terms of class, not that we, we haven't been doing that, but like in terms of class, it's like there's the crucified class, right? And Akira talks about, you know, who, who those people are. And, and so if the crucified class are people who are poor and oppressed and they are people who the world is sort of like built on the backs of, if that's the crucified class, then the canceled class, they are the people who are doing the, the crucifying. They are the people who are nailing the crucified people to the crosses. So there's no connection. 
Um, and I hope that that at least came through in the piece. If that was the only thing that was clear in the piece, uh, I can I can live with that. But there is no connection between being canceled and being crucified. And also, just for the record, it's like, yeah, I don't even I don't even know if being canceled is a real phenomenon. I think it's really more so a situation of being called out, having to have some uncomfortable uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that came through. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a great allegory. It's basically the Narnia of our time. Um, and I think uh, Jesus, <laughs> he should be let back on Twitter. He should get a stand up set back. Um, he should. Uh, I, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I can't wait to read his next uh, YA novel series. Um, I think that he should be uncanceled. Um, so the, I guess the next part of if he gets us should be like on the third day. He did get uncanceled. Right. That would be sort of the natural progression. Oh, natural progression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can tell um jason he can have that one for free so you made uh this other interesting point though josiah on twitter about how this campaign is doing something kind of like what um elifemi otaiwa talks about in his book elite capture which you have uh, also um made some space for in sojourners in the past um in that book uh there's this really interesting observation that progressive ideas are kind of like metabolized or sucked up by these conservative or reactionary forces. Um, but they're not necessarily for that reason, you know, useless or whatever, but we have to sort of pay attention to how, how the elite captures, you know, movement rhetoric and, and things like that. Um, could you say maybe a little bit more about that connection? It just seems like a really interesting thing to sort of map on to like what's going on in this ad campaign with all this, these different rhetorical turns. Yeah. Olafemio Taiwo. Awesome guy. Uh, do read his book, Elite Capture. Also read his book, Reconsidering Reparations. Um, yeah, I got to interview Taiwo. Uh, again, I do want to emphasize for your audience, that's Olafemi O. O is his middle initial. Olafemi O. Taiwo. Taiwo is his last name. Um, but I got to interview Taiwo. And it was a really incredible interview. Uh, he's just a really smart, down-to-earth guy uh, from the Midwest, of course. Um, you know, and uh, as three Midwest dudes here on this podcast, I think we can all agree Midwest people, <laughs> you know, uh, they're the best. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, um, yeah, it, it's funny. When I first, again, when I first saw the ads, I was like, okay, whatever, maybe this is good. And then when the Sojourners editorial team started to do a little bit more digging, uh, one of the things that that Mitchell had said to me that I just thought was so funny, and it, it really, again, it was it kind of like made me think like, okay, there's something more going on here. But Mitchell was like, this is the elite capture of Jesus. And, you know, at the time we had been talking about Taiwo, Mitchell was reading Taiwo, we were uh, we were getting ready to uh, do an, an interview with Taiwo. And so one of the things I think that that Taiwo pointed out to me that I then thought more deeply about while I was writing the piece and, and doing research on He Gets Us is there is a you know, Taiwo is writing elite capture specifically about the elite capture of identity politics language. And of course, you know, identity politics, it is not necessarily something that like when, when we think of identity politics today, I think we think of, um, I think we think of like the democratic party using it to sort of like pit people against one another almost when in reality like the idea that each one of us has uh specific identities in society that we then use to sort of like connect with other people and then we can use you know those identities to work towards shared concerns with others who might have different uh, identities than us that idea was actually a radical idea uh first sort of like created by the Kambahi River Collective, and they were uh, a group of socialist feminists. And so Taiwo in the book uses that 
as a starting point to talk about, okay, here's this radical group who comes up with this idea um, that, you know, if your gender is particularly important to you, your race is particularly important to you, uh, you know, that's fine. But then how can you use your lived experience, the identity that society sort of like imparts on you? How can you use that to then join with other forces to work towards the shared goal of human liberation? How did that then get captured? How did the language there get captured by people in the Democratic Party um, and is now being used and deployed in ways that actually, you know, cause division? And so specifically when it comes to the He Gets Us campaign, I think what they have been able to do, and I won't say successfully yet, because I think that we still have like a long way to go to see kind of what happened with this campaign. But one of the things that they're doing, right, is they're trying to use social justice language like activists, like marginalized, like, you know, they're trying to use this social justice language that they've seen and heard in society on social media. And they're trying to capture it, to use it in terms that, again, resonate, I think, with younger generations or people who are concerned about justice issues. But then they're actually not doing jack shit about any of the stuff that they're sort of talking about. So sorry, that was like kind of a long answer, but hopefully that specifically sort of like showed kind of how I see Taiwo's idea of elite capture relating to what's happening with the He Gets His campaign and, you know, just social justice language in general. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That's a an important thing to navigate, I think, in all of this. Uh, something else I think that it might be worth talking about is is Sojourners as an entity, right? Um, you all have been tracking the moves among like conservative Christians for a while, and uh, I've I've appreciated it. Dean's appreciated it. We love it. We love Sojourners. It's all great. Um, Mitchell, Jenna Barnett, Betsy Shirley, and of all kinds of other folks, you guys are doing great work. Just want to just want to say it on this Thank podcast you. in front of in front of God <laughs> and everybody and you and uh, yeah. But what what do you think a campaign like this like signals about the direction that conservative Christianity is heading? Um, is this like is this a change in in rhetoric? Is there a change that's maybe deeper here? Um, you know, is just is this just polishing the surface of the evangelical turd as well. <laughs> one of the things i often think of you know you guys started this podcast in 2016 around the time of trump right and i think that we can all agree that the trump administration was an abject moral failure um but it doesn't actually do much good to just like sit around and kind of do hand-wringing about it because in reality a lot of the policies that the trump administration enacted over the four years they were like really successful and i'm not talking again i'm not talking about success from like a moral perspective i'm talking about success from like they got to do what they wanted to do um i think that something that we have to be like really careful about with conservative christianity conservative evangelicalism it's really easy to look at the he gets his campaign and kind of like laugh at it and be like, ha, these fools, like, you know, it's really easy to like, you know, see through sort of their, their ads, their, their commercials and be like, you know, it's easy to track the money. Um, but I think that we would be remiss to not take what they're doing seriously. And uh, specifically what I mean is, you know, they are working with these, again, just bloated budgets. Um, there's not transparency. Uh, some of the groups that they're connected with are very, uh, very disturbing. Um, and so I think that I think that the thing that we need to keep in the forefront of our mind is uh, conservative Christianity and the conservative movement just in general uh they may the it may seem on its face extremely uh extremely naive um but there is sort of like a method to 
the madness. Um, and in this case, I really think that the method to the madness is trying to get younger people or people who are concerned about justice issues, trying to get them to come to a place where they're maybe less concerned about justice issues or uh, or they don't want to be politically active or they do not believe that engaging in activism is important. In other words, they, they believe that the status quo, you know, is, is just fine. And I think that that's one of sort of like the uh, political um, results that the campaign is is possibly pushing for sort of like in in the background um so yeah i think that this i think we're going to see more of this type of stuff um i think we are going to see more christians sort of you know uh talking about how they <laughs> talking about how they think uh, judgmentalism and uh, hypocrisy are bad and then you know uh, not really doing anything about hypocrisy judgmentalism or again like the material circumstances of people in the world who are hurting most and um, I think that it you know he gets us wants to talk about this as a rebrand of Jesus um, and in reality I think that it is more so a rebranding of the kind of Christianity that says, you know what, the only uh, thing that we really need is just the Bible. We don't, we don't need anything else. And that's like a dangerous version of Christianity, but it's a version of Christianity that should be taken very seriously. We should engage with it. We should critique it. And we should offer something better to people who are curious. I think that's a good point that you have to like take it more seriously than um, <laughs> maybe I, I want to for sure. I was thinking about it a little bit more and there is definitely like a time in my life where this would have definitely been my whole thing. Like I would have really liked this as I think like, a, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, like as a, as a, a young adult evangelical trying to figure out what to do with religion now that I like kind of am too, I'm, I'm like, I'm too old to go to youth group and now I have to figure out something else. I don't think I've seen anyone else talk about this part of it. And maybe I just made that shows my, my uh, being underwritten the topic, but uh, the, he gets us website does have a, a spot where you can get a free t-shirt from them. Right. And that's, I think bonkers to me. You have to love someone. You have to love someone in order to get the free t-shirt though, as far as I know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I went to the website and it says pay with love. Right. And you can get a, a t-shirt, a hat and a sticker and they'll even pay for shipping. And the sh the shirts say something like, you know, Jesus was a refugee or Jesus was wrongly judged, which is a very bizarre t shirt to wear. <laughs> like <laughs> that you're, yeah. that you're reliter relitigating that like uh, so many years later. Um, but it's such, it's just such a, a weird thing, right? There's a whole aesthetic to it in all of the pictures. Like everyone's like skateboarding or, yeah. um, you know, they look like look like a cool person. And all that I'm trying to say is like, there's an aesthetic here that they're really going for. And I think it definitely appeals to a certain type of person. Um, and would it would definitely work to, I think, reinforce a particular like regime of beliefs in their life. Um, and uh, yeah, um, not not taking it lightly is, is a good yeah advice. as you're saying that though matt one thing that i find really fascinating about this also as a person who would have found this really appealing at some point in my life um matt and i have talked before on the show about how one strange thing about the evangelical impulse to like just read your bible is that like the bible is a weird book and eventually it will make you think something weird and like for better and for worse for sure but like the idea of identifying Jesus with a refugee, for example, is like actually pretty impressive for evangelicals, right? Like you're not going to get a, a Trump Christian to say that. Uh, in fact, they'd say the opposite, right? That uh, Jesus would be like, you should keep all these people out of our country. Um, and I think there's something about that that's really quite interesting. And I feel like maybe what's most bizarre to me about He Gets Us is that as a campaign, it feels like kind of off the map or like it feels like it belongs in a different time. And that could just be because it belongs in a different moment of my own like biography, which I'm like projecting onto the world in some kind of like <laughs> deeply troubling psychoanalytic way. But I guess like, you know, there, there's something kind of strange about the idea of pouring millions of dollars into um, 
a campaign that is going to say something like that to identify Jesus with the marginalized and kind of like try to struggle through what that means without actually having to commit yourself to like changing the structural conditions that make them marginalized or something like that. So yeah, you know, I guess all that to say, I think it's, it's bizarre because I have a moment of sympathy for it. You know, it's like, man, you're like so close, (laughs) so close to getting it. Like, you know, maybe if you read the Bible a little bit more, like got to that part about Jesus and the money changers, or, you know, thought about politics a little harder, but I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, let's say this. All right. I'm, I'm going to pretend to be one of the people in your Twitter replies, Josiah. And I'm going to say, um, you know, they're all like, at least someone's talking about Jesus. I'm going to say, this is the moment leftist Christians. We should do our own. He gets us campaign and we should be like, yep, he gets us, and that's why Jesus was a refugee, and he thinks that we need to, like, uh, abolish all borders. We should just push it as far as we can. There is a part of me that wants to be really sympathetic to he gets us. And then, frankly, there's a part of me that wants to be really sympathetic to Jason. Um, you know, at one point in our conversation, and I mentioned this in the piece, you know, Jason reminded me about Matthew 25. And after our phone conversation, I went and I read Matthew 25 and I was like, shit, like that is a really intense passage uh, talking about sheeps and the goats, goats and whatever you, you know, don't do to the least of these, you know, you're it. Yeah, I mean. It's complicated because I really love the Bible, too. But I think you're right, Dean, where it's like the Bible is going to make you have some weird thoughts at some point. And I think especially when you read something like Matthew 25 or you read about Lazarus and the rich man or you read about Zacchaeus or you're going to be really confronted with some difficult difficult things that you have to work through. And so then the question becomes, okay, like how, how can I work through this? And then how can I, um, how can I be charitable maybe to other people who, who don't necessarily agree with the perspective that, that I'm coming from? Because I mean, I think one of my biggest convictions, right, is that Jesus came, uh, Jesus came to, to liberate the world from poverty. Jesus came to liberate the world from war. Jesus came to, Jesus came to liberate the world from capitalism. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's awkward to be having a conversation uh, with someone like Jason, and there is a certain amount of sympathy, or having a conversation with someone who's like, well, like, what's actually really wrong with he gets us they're talking about you know jesus being a refugee they're talking about jesus uh getting humanity um but i think that one of the things right is it's like dude jesus certainly gets us to a certain extent and then there is another aspect where jesus does not get us at all and like specifically what i mean is it's like jesus didn't get Pilate, like jesus didn't jesus wasn't like vibing wasn't understanding like where Pilate was coming from jesus wasn't understanding where the rich were coming from and so i think that there is like a certain appeal in that language of jesus sympathizing with humanity and again there's a certain like appeal to me of people who might be compelled by some of the language within the he gets his campaign And I do think that the big thing for leftist Christians is we have to figure out, okay, some of this language is appealing to people. How can we meet these people halfway, be willing to have sort of these awkward, uncomfortable conversations with them, be willing to sort of like push them more toward not just reading the Bible, which again, I think it's great to read the Bible. Um, But so not just push them toward reading the Bible, but how can we then push them toward becoming politically involved, becoming politically active, uh, specifically for the sake of the people who Jesus talks about as the least of these. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Something else I was trying to figure out about this whole campaign. I feel like we're going way over time, but. I don't, this is my podcast. I don't care. <laughs> um, but I, I've, I've been trying to figure out like, what is the ask with this? Right. I mean, I don't, I don't think there is one. So I was looking around on their website a little bit more and um, 
at the end of like every article, there is always like a, a like a learn more, mm. explore, yeah. uh, explore button is what they what they say. So if you click that, it brings you to um, I don't know some kind of like other third party website. It's basically like a Bible study guide that they yeah. that they give yeah. you and they want you to sign up for. It's through U version, right? I think if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So there, so they set you up with this like seven day um, Bible study, and here's the here's the thing that is just like kind of like weird about it to me is that um, you know they they set you up with the Bible study, but but they aren't giving you. They're not just like saying okay, and then here's the Bible and like you can just read it. What, what they give you is another same rhetoric type of blog post as yeah. you just read on the He Gets His website <laughs> with one scripture verse, not and not like a chapter. It's blog posts wow. all the way down. It is, and and then so at the end of the at the end of the blog post, it says scripture. Read John fourteen twenty seven. It's like that's one verse, but mm. like that's not even that's not even a chapter and that's not even a story in the Bible. That's just one verse. Yeah, and it's it just mind mind numbingly weird because it's like. What do they want you to do? And it doesn't even seem like the answer is to read the Bible. It's like they want you just to read another sort of like, you know, like chat GPT generated like blog post right. that they've, they've written about Jesus or whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, I guess that's what seems so weird about it to me is that it is just like I, I think that like they want you to think that you're reading the Bible or that you're learning something. But really you're falling, you know, kind of what you're just taking another step kind of down this like weird ideological reading of of like the gospel and, and again you're you're not going to see the stuff that's like maybe a little bit too um uncomfortable at least not right off the bat right not until you get to like maybe some of the further the further days or whatever yeah it just all seems like really um put together in an intentional way as to exclude particular things that might rock the boat yep yeah i agree matt <laughs> um I guess, like, it's weird to be like, okay, Jesus was a refugee, and like, so what, though? You know, the the next step is not there. Or even like, I don't know, Jesus felt this way about the marginalized, and like, here's a a, a way of getting into it. It's true that there's, it's not really even a, a kind of biblical literacy campaign, which is kind of bizarre. Um, but I guess that's what happens when you have millions of dollars that you can just sort of throw in a garbage can and be like, good luck. I don't exactly know what the end game of all of this is. Uh, what what I do know, though, is it does just feel like there is a co-opting of justice lingo. And to what end? It, maybe the end is just to get people to read verses of scripture and blog posts. Um, but, man, like that's just, that's, it's just... It's strange to me. And I think that they, I think there's a lot more that is yet to be discovered about he gets us. Um, I don't I don't know if they'll ever be uh, talking with me again. Um, but I would, of course, welcome any opportunity to talk with anybody over there uh, or anybody connected to the campaign. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely very strange specifically the language uh, and, and some of the stuff around loving loving your enemy i mean you see the jesus is canceled ad, and at one point you know they have this black person hugging a police officer and you know that's a charged image that image is saying something whether or not he gets us wants to admit it there, there's a lot being said in that image mm-hmm. remember the ad i think it was from a past a past super bowl though when I, I can't remember who it was kylie jenner maybe i don't know somebody it was like this like pepsi right. ad where there was like a protest yeah. and then all of a sudden they all had pepsi it feels like that but jesus <laughs> jesus is the pepsi of kylie jenner <laughs> well uh josiah it's been great to have you on as our culture war correspondent. And um, I can tell you're going to get back into the uh, investigative reporting minds here. You're going to get to the bottom of it with your big fedora and your trench coat and your notepad and um, your bulletin board full of pins and yarn. <laughs> and um, we can't wait to have you back once you've emerged um, from solving this bizarre mystery of uh, who done it, who did do the He Guess Us campaign. Um, until that happens, though, where can people find your writing? Anything else that you might be into or up to? Uh, what What do you want to plug at the end? Yeah, wow. Okay, so the main thing that uh, I, I want to plug is I do want to give um, 
our online editorial assistant, Zachary Lee. I want to give him a shout out. Uh, he helped me with the research for this piece. So just shout out to Zachary Lee. Thanks so much uh, for your help on the research for this. Um, but then too, I, I want to make sure to highlight uh, some of the reporting that my coworkers have done, um, specifically Mitchell and Betsy on uh, Jean Vanier. Um, and then also, uh, Sojourners, we have a podcast called Lead Us Not, which is a, an investigative podcast about John Vanier. Um, it is a tough listen, so, so I will say that. But um, Jenna Barnett, she has been doing a great job with that podcast. Uh, and so, yeah, I just want to want to give the podcast podcast a shout out. Um, and then I also just want to say thanks to to uh, the people who have been working very hard on our social media. I'm not a big social media guy. Um, Heather Brady and um, Kiera, thanks so much for for what you guys have been dealing with on social media. Um, but yeah, so uh, you can read my work. You can read most of it just going to sojo.net. Um, if you really want, you can check out my muckrack. Uh, I'll let you guys put that maybe in the show notes. It is in my Twitter bio. If you want to follow me on Twitter and see me post pictures of myself with inspirational signs because that's actually what i'm on twitter for um but if you want to follow me on twitter you can uh go to josiah underscore capital r daniels um and you can you can follow me on there uh i love to take elongated breaks from twitter so there's times where i don't go on for a month so uh good luck trying to catch me on there but you are in our uh podcast discord i guess people could find you there that's true. Yeah, people can totally find me there. And I do check Discord. I probably check Discord more than I check Twitter, which is is not really saying too much, honestly. <laughs> but more and more, I'm trying to get out of like the whole social media thing. Uh, I can't. I think it was Brugman who said, uh, Walter Brugman, uh, Old Testament theologian. I think it was Brugman who said that the only social media that he wanted to do was email. And I was like, ah, okay, I feel that, dude. <laughs> I feel like that's even a bad choice, honestly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Thanks for listening to The Magnificast. If you like what you heard, you can go read everything else Josiah wrote. I'm sure you're going to love it. Um, you probably loved this uh, great He Gets Us piece, so why wouldn't you like the rest of it. Um, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Magnificast. And if you support us at two bucks or more, you can get into this great discord that we just mentioned for exclusive access to at least exactly one guest, Josiah Daniels, who is also in the discord. Um, we do, a, a another podcast there sometimes called the walk-in. That is a good time. Our music is by Mario Armstrong. The outro is by the illogical spoon. And we'll see you next week. Get up for church in the morning, church in the morning, souls alive. Heaven come to earth and there won't be no church. We'll meet down by the riverside. There we'll swim with all creation. Never get tired, never bored. Don't worry, someday there'll be no dam between us and our Lord. Jackson, keep your hoods up. Keep your hoods up and you stay up late in Jackson. You keep your hoods up, well you keep your hoods up and you stay up late. Oh, don't mind a cold night, but we might mind if you leave too soon. So come on now, it's still early. Least I would have